You're a total engineering nerd. Can I say that? Sure. <laughs> so now I'll I take mean, that as a compliment. <laughs> Believe me, I can make it better. This is one of the most remarkable quotes from Chris Gogales. He made it when he got a response from an athlete that his bike is already remarkable and that he could not think of anything which could be improved. It is an attitude towards greatness and relentless innovation. Today we want to talk about a complete overhauled bike from the Pivot portfolio, the Mac 4 SL. A bike which helped many of our cross-country and ultra-endurance athletes to achieve outstanding results on the race course, but also was able to support us weekend warriors on longer rides with efficiency and comfort. To be more precise, the former model competed in the Rio Olympics, qualified for Tokyo and won a World Cup short track at the very debut of it. Besides being fast between tape, it provides the non-pro rider a pro feeling, crushing their personal best on a local trail. So could this bike be better? Spoiler, yes, we made it better. Not only lighter, not just a geo update, it features clever design details, which will make you feel like you are riding a rocket up and also down the hill. This is the Pivot All About Bikes podcast. My name is Jens Staud, your host for today, and Chris Kokalis, as well as Hannah Ray Otto, are on the show to tell you about the secrets of this bike and why it is so insanely quick on the trail. Welcome, Hannah. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having us. Hi, Jens. So let's dive right in. A dedicated cross-country bike, Chris, with the need to be as light as possible, will make sacrifices on the design and suspension performance to shave off grams. How strongly would you disagree, Chris? I would say that we consciously make decisions to design an XE bike as light and as efficient as possible. Um, with most designs, that often means sacrificing some suspension performance in the process, but Pivot's really known for our suspension performance and the ability to design bikes that are incredibly efficient, but at the same time have suspension performance that really punches well outside the bike's actual travel numbers. Basically, we design the bikes to climb like a shorter travel bike with incredible efficiency, and at the same time, descend like a longer travel bike with suspension performance that really enables the rider to stay in control and go faster in more technical terrain. I think this makes our bikes unique in the market. It provides our riders a more focused race bike, but it's also way more capable in technical terrain. Hannah, you are one of our endurance athletes and your focus is on gravel, endurance mountain bike, all the way up to racing cross-country World Cups. You are a certified trainer and certified coach. You bring everything to the table to be the person to tell us what kind of tool you need for performing on this high level. You can take gold at Leadville 100 and set the fastest known time on the whole enchilada in Moab. Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks so much for the introduction. I have been racing some sort of endurance sport for 18 years now. And considering that I am 27 years old, that is a huge part of my life. I raced for 11 years as a triathlete and I've been a professional mountain biker for seven years. Um, along with all of the different certifications you talked about, it's pretty fair to say that bikes completely are woven into my life. So I am a huge nerd, a huge detail person, um, which is something that really drove me to want to work with Pivot, is I think that they are very detail-oriented and really seek excellence. And that's always been something that I strive for as well. So I'm excited to get to talk in detail about this bike. 
You're doing it all, right? I mean, gravel, cross-country, like the whole enchilada thing, we, this kind of broad spectrum of your riding. While grabbing is obviously bike-wise a very different kind of riding, you may also want to have different bikes for a cross-country race and for something like the big loop for the whole enchilada, right? Absolutely. I think in order to fulfill the needs of all of the different types of terrain that I ride, you could really use a numerous amount of bikes, many, many bikes. You could have a whole stable in your garage. Um, for example, the whole enchilada loop, it has a 7,000 foot climb that never stops, um, but it's pretty mellow. So you could use the lightest bike possible. You could use a gravel bike for that. But when it starts going down, most people actually ride that trail on a, on a trail bike or an enduro bike because it's really, really chunky terrain. Uh, there's a lot of big unexpected hits and on a trail that long, you don't know every sort of uh, different obstacle you're going to hit. And so the added suspension and geometry give you some forgiveness when you hit that front wheel into a rock or take a long, wrong line or something like that. Uh, but finally, XC racing, like World Cup racing, is really the ultimate test of a bike overall performance and the train changes quickly which means you need a bike that's playful and adaptable and you need to be agile enough to make tight turns take big kits and finally a bike that's stiff enough to even have to sprint for the win circling back to your comment on the need of having a full garage of bikes and maybe uh, the, the mac 4 is a condensation of all these kind of bikes Could this be the solution to have all these in one without falling short in one of these scenarios? You know, Jens, from my standpoint, it's it's a difficult it's difficult to one to achieve. I mean, the the whole enchilada trail. There was a time many years ago where we launched a downhill bike, at, at, and that was the trail we ran. So imagine then running it on something like a World Cup cross country bike, but. As I said before, with all pivot designs, we really try to find this huge range of versatility, doing designs that can really be at their core focused on what their their main job is, but then to punch way outside that category. And in the case of the new Mach 4, we had a few very specific goals. But first and foremost, it was to design a much, much lighter, more efficient World Cup XC race bike. If we couldn't achieve that, then really all the other goals would be irrelevant because the Mach 4 SL is a race bike first. We needed to really make sure that we were delivering our athletes the best performing XC race bike in the world. At the same time, we wanted to make it more capable than the current bike, which is really, really capable. You know, in many ways, these goals are really at odds with each other as lighter weight and more efficient generally means that the bike would have to move closer to a hardtail in terms of having less suspension travel as that trade-off for maximum efficiency, but we needed to deliver them both in a more capable World Cup race bike as, as well as being a more capable all-arounder. So really to be totally transparent, even for Pivot, this was a lot to ask out of one bike. You're a total engineering nerd. Can I say that? Sure. <laughs> so now uh, I'll I take mean, that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> everyone out there is potentially like 
curious now. Uh, how did you get the weight down of, of such already light bike and how much weight it was out of the frame, for instance? We Well, we had a, a couple of cool things going because we've been working on this project in some ways uh, for many years. So we, of course, started with this target of a massive weight reduction. And then uh, we, we have the experience from developing the new Less SL last year. Our goal with that bike was to make it the lightest production hardtail frame in the world. And we had medium frames that we were testing with different layups as low as 740 grams. We arrived at something slightly higher than that. I think we were about 815, 830 when we got the stiffness where we wanted it, but really darn light. Working with Chloe for the Olympic bikes and Hannah's bikes, we were working on the layups that would eventually work their way into the SSL and the Mach 4 SL. And we took a whole bunch of weight out of the frames that they were racing in the last couple of years on the current Mach 4 SL model. Yeah, Hannah, I believe you've been racing and riding on that new layup design for well over a year at this point. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I've been on it for over a year. And uh, so we have a lot of time on these to prove that we can achieve it, that we can achieve the stiffness goals. Our initial goals at minimum were to save over 200 grams. but Internally, we all knew that we wouldn't be happy if that's all we took out of the frame. So we continued to push until we ultimately achieved between a 300 and 400 gram weight savings, depending on frame size, which is huge. That's an enormous amount of weight. I think that's 0.94 pounds, 0.92, something like that, almost, almost a pound. We're talking to euros. They don't know what you're talking about. They need to go. 417, 417 <laughs> grams, Jens. Yeah, that's better. 0.417 kilos. <laughs> Perfect. So anyway, to ch achieve this, we, we spent a lot of time working on the total surface area of the carbon and optimizing the in individual tube cross sections uh, so that we could arrange the material to achieve our target stiffness and all the frame tuning. The frame tuning aspect of it is really what determines the snap of the bike, the stiffness in certain areas, really just how the bike performs everywhere and how it feels. You can take a whole bunch of weight out of the bike, but if you don't get that part of it right, you really don't have the complete package. And that's something I believe Pivot does very well. It doesn't matter how light you get the bike, if it's a flexi noodle or it's so stiff that the liveliness of the bike goes out the window uh, and the ability to come across cross ruts and roots and have the bike handle things correctly. On the medium frame alone, we went through five different revisions of the carbon layup design to get the performance exactly where we wanted it, both the balance of the weight and the stiffness. We're really excited to, to get this bike out there in the hands of riders and racers because it just feels incredible. It's, it's not only a total rocket ship, but it has that incredibly lively feel that really makes you want to push yourself. I believe the bike has everything you need to win. We brought down the weight, which is one of the key factors of the endurance segment. Hannah races her bike on very different terrain and applications. If you think of Sea Otter, which is quite an easy terrain with not a lot of square-edge bumps, and on the other hand, about Moab with a lot of square-edge bumps, and there is modern World Cup tracks that seems to be taking some sections right from the downhill courses. Yeah, that's where the versatility part comes in. When it comes to making something both more World Cup-specific and more capable of handling some of the toughest trails in existence, We really needed to have two bikes in one. So that's kind of what we did. Hannah's previous sponsor, prior to coming to Pivot, 
was on a, a very lightweight, almost hardtail bike with only 60 millimeters of travel. And uh, she's provided me some good feedback on that. Can you, Hannah, can you talk a little bit about how the bike performed uh, with that short amount of travel, what it did well, what you kind of struggled with, and uh, the, so that we can give the listeners some idea of what went into the design and development of the new Mach 4 SL. Absolutely. And I think that this is a place that when I first got on Pivot, it really shined for me. And it was something that you touched on uh, even at the beginning of this podcast is that Pivot's suspension is truly second to none. Um, It performs really well on rough terrain with big hits, and then it climbs with extreme efficiency. And so when you look at some of these other bike brands that want to create light bikes through the avenue of limiting suspension, it can be really hard on those bikes to find a setting that actually satisfies all different types of terrain. So my experience was with that limited suspension, when you take those bikes off of big drops or hard hits that you experience in World Cups, it runs out of travel really fast and you're encountering uh, lots of just those big hits, bottoming out suspension. And then if you find the setting that is better for those type of rough terrain, it starts to then bob on the climb and become less efficient. So you're constantly sort of battling this double and never quite finding that happy place. And I think that that has what Pivot has found. It's found a way to be snappy on the climbs and responsive and compliant on chatter, as well as being able to absorb large-scale features. And I'm super excited about that with this new bike. Thanks. Um, I got to spend some time on that on that bike as well, the, the one that you previ- previously raced before coming to Pivot and uh, had similar feedback. And not just on that bike, but on others as well. Although it is an efficient peddler, it definitely becomes more of a handful on anything technical. I mean, but that's just the science. The less travel we have, the more efficient the bike gets. So we, we know that reducing travel is a really quick way to gain efficiency. So we also started testing less travel to see where we could gain efficiency and still have good control in technical terrain. And the current Mach 4 SL, or the one that the new bike is replacing, has 100 millimeters of travel. And so as we were testing, and kind of shaving off travel, the bike was already super efficient. So when we dropped down to 95 millimeters of travel, we saw a pretty good gain, a really good gain actually in the efficiency of the bike, but still that ability to really knock it out of the park on the on the technical descents. And, uh, and so we were able to get that near hardtail level efficiency, but still maintain that much better technical capability. At the same time, we also didn't want to give riders less than what they have without going Mach 4. So we, we added a new flip chip design to the upper linkage that allows for two different travel settings. And that gives the rider the option to choose between either 95 or 103 millimeters of travel, depending on the course. And the models that have the 95 and 103 millimeters of travel are combined with a 100 millimeter travel fork. Uh, This really covers us for elite level XC racing, but that's not where or how most of our customers are choosing to use their XC category bikes. And even in Hannah's case, some of the places that she's riding where where it's really rough, uh, this whole enchilada FKT course, or loop is 
it's just really got some gnarly stuff on it. So the ability to to have something and choose within your bike what what you want to get out of it is just part of the pivot story and what we want to do with versatility. We wanted to make sure that the new Mach 4 SL would be the perfect platform for stage racing and longer endurance events and really the ability to push outside of just pure XC racing. When we started working through the kinematics with the same stroke shock as the previous Mach 4, we also began testing with a slightly longer stroke shock like we have on the Trail 429, and we were able to get the math and geometry to work out perfectly so we could also build options with either 106 or 115 millimeter out of a new Fox Float X rear shock combined with a 120 millimeter Fox 34 step cast fork. That combination slackens the head angle an additional 0.3 degrees, adding even more capability to the bike. And uh, this is really the best setup for the majority of riders as it gives up very little in weight while really opening up the options for what types of trails the bike is capable of handling. Sorry, Chris, you, you're talking about four travel options in one frame? This quite sounds complicated and in most cases is quite heavy. It was complicated to figure out, but it's actually incredibly simple. When you look at what we did with the upper linkage, it's really a work of art. That's probably my favorite part of the bike. Uh, and I think the coolest detail on the bike, we took so much weight out of that upper link and made that flip chip so simple. If you want to change your travel setting on the trail, it'll take most people less than a minute. Fortunately, even in the 115 millimeter travel setting, the bike actually pedals more efficiently than the outgoing Mach 4 SL with 100 millimeters of travel. That's quite an interesting approach to fine-tune a bike for individual tracks or individual preferences. Absolutely. And what we did with the builds on the bike is, like the outgoing Mach 4 SL, we have what we call our World Cup builds. And on those, that bike has the shorter travel Fox DPS rear shock with the 103 or 95 millimeters of rear travel. All of our team pro and ride level builds have the option to choose either between the 106 and 115 millimeters of rear travel via that flip chip. In either choice, you have a great option and you still have that ability, even on the longer travel bikes, to get right around the same travel, that 100 to 104 millimeters travel that we had on the outgoing Mach 4. While these differences don't sound like a lot, uh, it does really enable you to fine-tune your bike to the racetrack in order to squeeze out that best possible performance everywhere. So you said this frame is designed from the ground up. Means it not only has a new carbon layup, and during testing we had five iterations of the frame, the bike uses our patented holocore molding process to ensure the highest quality frames. It also has a new geometry. There's a lot going on in our R&D and testing department, all because cross-country changed quite a bit over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, cross-country got rougher. There, there, I don't remember what year the shift started to happen, but we really went from cross-country racing almost becoming an off-road road race to let's get back to the core of mountain biking and and then the parts and things riders were starting to do to experiment with getting the bike more capable but not losing any of that efficiency because you still have to go like you're in a road race. That prompted a shift, but also all bikes moving to more progressive geometry and having one category kind of stuck in the past when 
most riders are not just riding a pure cross-country race bike. They might have a trail bike. They might have an enduro bike. And being a versatile rider often means that you have a versatile quiver of bikes. Or even if you don't, you need your bike to, to do more than just this one single thing. That really acceptance of allowing us to, to push the geometry out a little bit and do, do things that really weren't accepted in the past. Two generations ago, when we came out with original Less SL, and, the, and even before that, the original Less, when we came out with the geometry, I think we had a 69.5 degree head angle on the bike. And people thought we were nuts for putting that slack of head angle on the bike, and we had to reach a little bit longer. And by today's standards, that two-generation-old Less SL is is by no means modern geometry. So it's interesting to see what people can accept. And this, this idea of going longer on the reach measurements, slacker head angle, steeper seat angle. So of course the new Mach 4 gets the full modern geometry treatment. The head angle is slacker, the seat angle is steeper, and the reaches have gotten longer. And we made similar changes to the new Less SL, but with the suspension bike, we can take those changes even a bit further to match the capability of the suspension platform. An interesting detail on pivot bikes are the chainstays. Not only the Mac 4SL has like a linkage rather than a flex stay, it is a detail that it's, it's maybe a little bit down the rabbit hole for some, but I love to talk about it because it showcases what we are looking into at, in our development and what kind of attention to detail we have depending on wh where you want to ride to have the best possible ride characteristics and it, this depends on the discipline either or we might go for a fixed chainstay length on all the sizes or they grow a little bit through the sizes why is this important to keep the chainstays rather short on a cross-country bike well different companies have different philosophies and maybe if their suspension platform isn't as efficient and it is bouncing off of stuff a longer chainstay uh, might give the bike a more planted feel, but at the same time, you just don't get that snap and immediate power down to the ground. We focus on the shorter chainstays for our shorter travel bikes in order to get that power to the ground in the most efficient way possible. We don't want to make them too short as we still want stability, but we do have the advantage of DW Link. The other thing is short chainstays also keep the wheelbase from getting too long, which is important when you're pushing the reach numbers out along with slacker head angles. You still want the front end to have great traction in the corners and that ability to cut to the inside of a corner quickly. Finding that balance is always key, and that's an area where I feel pivot really leads the way. Everything we do is really more of a balanced approach. We don't go to crazy extremes, and we need the bike to handle exceptionally well overall. As I've said before, they also need to perform well outside of it, and finding that balance is really key to that. Hannah, how do you feel about the bike's chainstay length and the overall balance and handling of the new Mach 4 SL? When I first got my hands on this bike, I actually had my mechanic set it up according to my fit without telling me about any of these changes because I wanted to just go out on the trail and see what my perception was without anything else influencing that feeling. And my first comment was that the bike felt more agile in corners. It felt snappier, but it also felt more stable. And so then taking that feedback and going back to the numbers and looking at why I was feeling that, um, I think a lot of all of those feelings come from the fact that 
the front end of the bike did get a bit slacker and the reach got longer. So that's what I'm feeling with that stability. It's confidence inspiring. But then with the chainstay length being relatively short, I'm still feeling that ability of keeping it really easy to control, easy to handle, and really easy to put the power down, which is something that gives me that feeling of easy to control, easy to handle, easy to whip it around the corners on those climbs. And so overall, you know, it got snappier, it got it got more stable, it got more agile. That basically just means it got faster. Hannah, you are running in the shortest version, like with the short fork and the shortest travel option, right? Yes, that is correct. So Chris, we don't only have the options to swap between two travel options, but also two different shocks, depending on the build. Yeah, the World Cup build is equipped with the Fox Float DPS shock. It's Fox's lightest shock and tuned to have the most responsive cross-country feeling. For the Ride Pro and Team builds, we use the new Fox Float shock. Internally, it's basically a Fox Float X without a reservoir. It has a higher air volume, more oil capacity and it's built to take more aggressive riding. This shock also has five millimeters more stroke than the float DPS on our World Cup builds. That five millimeter additional stroke enables us to achieve the higher 115 millimeters of travel. And as I previously mentioned, it's the same stroke shock that's used on our Trail 429 model, but tuned to be more progressive and have a more supportive, efficient feel. Hannah, given your background and being able to go very, very fast on a short travel bike, what kind of settings you are using and how you're adapting your bike for the track? I mean, having the option to choose between four different setups is really allowing me to fine-tune my bike to a whole new level on any given race course. And that's one of the things I'm most excited about with this new bike, because When you're talking about one second being the difference between winning or losing, every advantage adds up. So for XC racing, my default setting will be the shortest settings because I think that really balances the efficiency for something like, say, the Czech World Cup course. It's great for trails where there aren't massively big hits, but there's a lot of consistent chatter on the trail from things like roots and rocks. And then I'll play with the flip chip for trails like, or races like Mount St. Anne, where they're a little bit rougher, the hits are bigger, there might be a really big drop. And so for XC racing, I will typically use it in the lighter setup with the new Fox Float DPS and 32-step cast so that I can keep it as light as possible. Also, the extended shock stroke and 120 millimeter front travel will be, that I think is what will be really amazing for me in the marathon races. So honestly, this new bike really makes me want to do the whole enchilada FKT again with this improved bike because it makes me very confident that I would be able to put down an even faster time given this new bike's capability. The hardest opponent is always yourself, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But where does your bike is sitting weight-wise? The new Mach 4 SL is actually sitting about a full pound lighter than my old Mach 4 SL. So it is weighing in right around 22 pounds and that's race setup so for me that means even with a dropper post for the euros this is under 10 kilos right yes thank you for that conversion <laughs> <laughs> yeah the small size frame without a rear shock weighs just 3.65 pounds or 
1660 grams. That's incredibly light for a painted frame with linkages and bearings. The complete XX World Cup build weighs around 22.9 pounds or 10.4 kilos. Uh, in Hannah's case, I believe she's running some different things like ESI grips, carbon bottle cages, and maybe some even lighter tires. But our XX World Cup build comes with, of course, a dropper and 2.4 inch tires. There's certainly places like Canada that you could take more weight out with a crazy custom build. But as it sits, the bike is really World Cup race ready. Chris, our cross-country bikes come with a 148 boost rear hub space to save some weight. Will this affect our wide tire clearance we are known for with Superboost Plus? Of course, Superboost Plus gets us maximum tire clearance and maximum frame stiffness and wheel stiffness. But not all of that is necessarily needed in the cross-country race categories. The Mach 4 SL is designed to accept 2.4-inch XC-specific tires like the Maxx Recon Race or Recon. The Recon Race is uh, spec'd on all of our highest-end builds with carbon wheels. So utilizing Boost 148 on this bike also enables us to use the lowest Q-factor cranks. Normal trail bike cranks are perfect for Super Boost Plus, but when racers really want to get that Q-factor down, and I know SRAM and Shimano both have some cranks that really bring it in quite tight, and keeping those chain stays in a little tighter is important to be able to use those cranks. So that's why we stick with 148 millimeter spacing on the more XC driven bikes and super boost where it has a bigger advantage on the longer travel models. Hannah, we figured out that you're using your Mac Forest in a broad spectrum. Cross Country World Cup showed the usage of dropper posts and besides a new suspension on this bike, there's also a new product from Fox on it. We mentioned it. The new Fox SL dropper. This is awesome. It features two positions instead of all of the variabilities of a regular dropper post. And so it saves weight, which weight, as we've mentioned a lot, is critical to performance. But really the only reason you would not run a dropper post is because of weight. It is a fact that dropper posts make descending easier. And so the only reason you wouldn't run one is if you feel like it's too heavy on the climbs. And with this new dropper, I think that really starts to not become a factor. And I don't think there will be a single race I do this year where I don't run a dropper post because I think it's a no-brainer. It just makes sense to have it. Yeah, the, the dropper is really a step forward in getting XC bikes to that next level. Uh, I mean, we're even starting to see it on some in a road races to get down into a tuck easier and go faster. It's uh, it's probably, I would say, the biggest, just dropper posts in general, the biggest innovation on mountain bikes in the last 20 years. There's a lot of things that have evolved, but the dropper post is one of those few new things that came out of nowhere. And you're like, that's weird. And all of a sudden, it's we can't live without it. So making it more and more into the XC world, I'm actually a little surprised it's taken this long to get there. And as Hannah said, it makes your life a lot easier on the XC bike. And now, without adding too much weight, we run that 100-millimeter travel Fox Transfer SL dropper on the World Cup builds. Uh, and then the updated transfer with more travel and infinite travel adjust on the Team Pro and ride level builds because... Riders might be pushing the limits uh, and want that more micro adjustability of having infinite travel adjust 
on on the longer travel bikes at dropper post four options of travel in two shock options lockout two different fork travels chris can you summarize in short what this platform can offer it sounds like it covers the broadest spectrum i'll try to keep it short but <laughs> in our lineup we call the lightest builds world cup models we have both shimano xtr and the SRAM xx sl world cup builds these are really differentiated from the rest of the line by the Fox 32 fork with 100 millimeters of travel and the float DPS with the ability to switch between the 103 or 95 millimeters of rear travel. This also features a SRAM twist lock grip operating both the fork and the shock. So uh, you have front and rear lockout sim simultaneously and a mid position to just firm things up for a more, even more efficient feel. Both SRAM and Shimano builds come with that. 100 millimeter Fox transfer SL dropper post, and then a WTB carbon rail saddle. Next from there is our team level builds, which are essentially the same level as the World Cup builds, but with that longer travel. And these are also available in either the Shimano XTR or the SRAM XXSL. So the team build bumps up the travel on the front to 120 millimeters of travel moving up from the Fox 32 step cast to the Fox 34 step cast, and then increases the rear travel to either the 115 millimeters, 103 millimeters, millimeters of travel via the new Fox float rear shock. All team builds feature the SRAM twist lock to lock out just the rear shock on the team builds. And having that grip operated twist lock enables you to have room for the regular style thumb operated dropper post, which is really nice. Or in this case, SRAM team build, that model features the axis post, so everything is wireless and electronic. Like the World Cup builds, this is the best of the components chosen for their capability as well as their lightweight. It's really the dream build bike in the longer travel version, whereas the World Cup is the dream build bike in the lightest, most race-specific focused way you can build a bike and then right below that is our pro level builds these are our most popular builds we offer the pro in both a shimano xt and xtr build as well as the pro sram xo builds these are nearly identical to the team builds but with the slightly lower spec with the mix of xt and xdr or xo instead of xx and then those come with alloy wheels but we have an option to upgrade to carbon wheels on all the pro builds and then if you're just starting out or you don't have uh, quite the budget to go for one of those higher end builds we we start the mach 4 sl lineup out with the ride level builds and the ride level builds come in both SRAM and shimano options either gx or an slx xt mix and uh, it features performance series suspension with no lockouts and only alloy wheels. It's a great way to still get that same high-end Mach 4 SL frame with great high-end components that perform as well as the higher-end parts without all those extra bells and whistles. Uh, it's important to note also that we always provide the highest quality of carbon frame on all our builds. So we do not change to a heavier carbon or lesser layup as the price points go down you start with the best chassis on every level of our builds thank you for the summary on the tech and all the spec of the bikes but if you want to put it together like 
how versatile the bike is and what is it actually for? What is, in short words, why you want to ride this bike? Well, we created what we feel is both the ultimate World Cup XC performer and really category killer in, a, in terms of ability to perform in such a wide range of conditions. The Mach 4 SL is among the lightest frames in the world without any compromise. Unlike the sea of single pivot flex stay suspension designs, the new Mach 4 SL is faster and offers more capability on the downs and better traction and efficiency on the climbs. I know we've overused the word rocket ship, but it really is. When you get on it, it, it feels like you're on a really fast e-bike with a lot more snap. And it, it has capabilities way beyond its World Cup roots. Of course, I need to mention that we always strive to achieve a very compact frame design with a low standover, so we fit a wide range of riders. And we pay attention to every detail. This means that every frame size can fit at least a full-size water bottle in the front triangle, also incorporating the pivot tool mounts. And then the medium through XL frame sizes can fit two bottles in the front triangle, and one underneath the down tube as well. Hannah, is Chris overselling the bike? Are you ditching your gravel bike for this? <laughs> as I said, I absolutely love my large quiver of bikes and I love my vault. Um, so you cannot take that away from me. But this new Mach 4 SL is, it's doing the job of many, many bikes for sure. Um, and I think even for an elite level rider, it could be a bike that serves multiple purposes in your ride lineup. So pretty much the bike is something that touches the super endurance hardtail segment as well as maybe all the way up to a tiny trail bike. So it is a bike that is really interesting and we are happy to put it out in the market. And hopefully you can join us on one of our pivot demo events and Swing a leg over it and experience it by yourself. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Chris. This was the All About Bikes podcast for the Mac 4 SL. Thank you, Jens. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for including me. This is fun. It was good to, I can't say see you, but it was good to hear your voice. All right. <laughs>